Man, I sing in those lyrics, where you go, I will follow you. Where you go, where you lead, where you go, where you lead, I will follow you. And it just, I just weeping. I don't, I don't want to do that. Has God ever called you to go someplace you don't want to go? Have you ever been torn between Tarshish and Nineveh? Right? You ever been like, I, I don't want to say that. I don't want to go there. And it, why? Because it's uncomfortable. Because it's hard. You ever had to have a hard conversation with somebody? You ever, had, you ever shied away from the hard conversation and it just riddles you and you're just weighted by, by, by not being obedient to what God has called you to do? I just want you to know, um, as we close this series called Uncomfortable, I, I've lost sleep this week. This is hard. This is hard. I'm glad you are here, not run away by the text messages and sermon titles called uncomfortable, right? Like, hey, let's go to church, be uncomfortable. Want to join me, right? I know it's not easy to do. Well, this is one of those Sundays for me. It's just super uncomfortable, super uncomfortable. I'll get to that in a minute because I want you to know that I walk through uncomfortable circumstances and situations just like you do, just like you. Life is not easy for me because I'm a pastor. I, I, I almost think it becomes more difficult if I'm being honest. I just It's hard sometimes and it's uncomfortable. And this has not been an easy month for me. You know, I remember sitting with Lance in November in a condo in Galveston. And we come to this month of uncomfortable. And I'm like, man, why, why Lord? Why? Why? I want to be a prosperity gospel preacher this month, you know. I'm like, hey, life is great, and you can. I'm like, man. And, well, by the way, by the way, uh, I'll, I'm just gonna give a plug. Uh, I, I'm not a pastor hater, right? I, I love all pastors. It, they're gonna have to answer to God one day. But you know, some of y'all are bashing those prosperity gospel guys while while it says it's the good news, right? You know, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know. Uh, how about we just uh, preach what God has called us to preach? And, and let God sort everything else out, right? And let's just uh, be unified in the gospel. And, and it's not easy. Because, uh, if, you're, if you're a guest, if, if you walked in and this is your first uh, uh, service with Refuge Church, or maybe you've missed a few, uh, I, I want to I catch you up, okay? So we are in this series, Uncomfortable, the awkward and essential challenge of Christian community. How many of you know being a Christian is difficult today? Right? Like, like even being part of a church is difficult today. A lot of people come and they can't handle it. Why? Because it's awkwardly uncomfortable to have these conversations. And we started this month talking about a roller coaster, the ups and downs of life and, and highs and lows and it, emotions that go with this. And remember at Easter, we were talking about the cross, how uncomfortable the cross is. And there's nothing comfortable about that Easter story and that message. And then we went uh, to uh, moving from believer to follower. You know, believing is one thing, but following is another. And it's so difficult. I see some of you. Isn't it awesome we have a church where people that don't yet know Christ can come in here and sit for a while and then start to believe? And then once they believe, then they can start to follow and they start being a disciple of Christ. And I love watching that growth come. So Some churches only like the, the followers to come. Right, Like the ones that know what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ and what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And, and I just I want us to be okay with people that don't know Christ to come and sit with us. Because I love watching that growth and I love watching that transformation from becoming a believer to a follower. And then last week we talked about grief and that was hard. Grieving and loss and all of that. It's uncomfortable uh, to go through. And I, I know some of these messages along the way have hit you hard in different seasons or maybe a different spot. And may, maybe you're like, hey, I, I think it's cool. I love, I love this uncomfortable sermon series. Well, we're not done yet. Right? Uh, today may hit you. 
Uh, each of us face different challenges. That's why I know at different seasons, you, you may receive the word in a different way. Well, you know, we were, I just told you, we retreated in November and we got to the uncomfortable sermon series. And, 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 and I knew, I just felt in my spirit that we would wrap it up with like one of the most uncomfortable conversations that pastors don't like to have. And I immediately knew what I, I like. I know there's, there's one overarching issue, one overarching lesson theme that I know pastors are like, I, you know what, I do not like to talk about that. It makes me totally uncomfortable. Anybody know what it is? Tithing. Who says somebody? Tithing? Giving? Tithing? I was like, yes, that's exactly right. And I'm like, we're going to have to do it. You know, we're going to have to have a message on tithing. We're going to have to talk about money and giving. And I'm super uncomfortable to do that. So I started putting notes together and building the sermon over the months. And how do you talk about tithing? It's so All that guy wants is more money. And I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's not how it works. It's a, it's, a, it's a principle. And then on Monday, God took me off the hook. He says, I want you, I want you to throw it out. I don't want you to talk about tithing at all. And some of y'all just went, all right, we can stay. <laughs> all right, I was getting ready to go. I saw some of you getting your stuff together. Like, See, especially the guests. That's all they want to talk about is money. Newsflash, we're not talking about money today. We're not talking about tithing today. God said, I want to give you a word that's going to make you even more uncomfortable than talking to the church about tithing. And I'm like, no, please tell me it's not so. I'm like, what is more uncomfortable? And I got to the point, I just started communicating and praying with God. I came in on staff, staff meeting on Tuesday, and I told the staff, I said, y'all pray for me because God's doing this thing. He just told me to, he just yesterday told me to toss the whole sermon. He told me to toss everything that I've been working on, and he's got a fresh word for me. And, and, and what we need to talk about today are the uncomfortable conversations. Uncomfortable conversations. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound too bad, you know? That doesn't sound too bad, except the, pro- the problem is um, I don't think you're ready. I've watched Christians have conversations. I've watched Christians engaged in uncom- uncomfortable conversations and just fail utterly. And I'm like, oh, boy. So, see, here, here's the thing. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire you some three points, but that's later if we have time. Like, because we got to talk about some things first. And, and being uncomfortable, it demands this response. And I want you to see this from the outset. God may want you to do something today. He may want you to do something. God may want you to stop doing something. God may want you to give something. God may want you to say something. God may want you to stop saying something. He, God may want you to sell something. God may want you to buy something. Like, look what we're doing. All these things. Like, think about all the grand scheme, what's happening. He may want you to start something. He may want you to stop something. He may want you to end something. He may want you to love somebody. Like, these start to get uncomfortable when we start talking about what's happening. The chances are great that God likely wants to stretch you today. And the topics that we talk about in these uncomfortable conversations, I promise you, if you open your heart and your mind, it will stretch you. It may anger some of you. Some of you may at the end when you walk out go, why are you poking your finger in my chest? You don't know my story, Pastor. And I want to tell you right now, it would be so much easier for me to just say, God, but I won't teach about tithing, and I just want to move on, and we can go our way. And he says, he says, no. And I come and I listen to where you lead, I will follow. Where you go, I will follow. And I'm just like, Lord, you better, you better, you better prop me up. I thought about bringing a seat up here and just to, have, to, to, to sit down because it's uncomfortable and uncomfortable things start with the conversation. It's 2023. It's 2023. I have seen us more, more divided, more, more, more tattered, more, more um, uh, uh, grotesque, less patient, 
less, uh, your, your inability to listen, to hear, to have uh, academic conversations. There's so much division. And these are things today that I wish we, we didn't have to talk about as a church. I wish we didn't have to talk about these things in our nation. And so before we do, let's just, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. God, today, I just ask that you move in this place. God, I, I surrender my words, my heart, my soul, my spirit to you, God. And the words that I speak, God, I know they're rooted deeply in you because I've spent so much time just massaging this and, and saying, Lord, I only want to say what you want me to say about these uncomfortable circumstances. We have to learn as Christians how to have uncomfortable conversations because uh, we're not very good at it. You are great. Your son, Jesus Christ, gives us an example at one after the other. And God, we need to learn from him, God. So these walls that might come up, these, these, uh, these, these arrows that come out of the quiver that, that may shoot hard, God, I just ask that they, that they penetrate the soul in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. So I need to ask you this question, and I want you to think about these things. How do you converse, how do you talk about, or do you totally shy away from, which I believe God does not want us doing, conversations that involve abortion? that involve vaccines. Boy, did you see what the COVID vaccine did to our people? Like, think about 2018 vaccine conversation and 2023 vaccine conversation. What about money and how we spend it? What about sex, cohabitation, politics? You ever had politic conversations with believers and non-believers? You ever gone there? What about participating in church? What about marriage? What about sin? Uh, the LGBTQ community, do you think they feel comfortable being around Christians today? Do you think they ought to feel comfortable being in our presence? I think we all know we need to say yes, but the likelihood is we all say no. We try to shield ourselves from people that aren't like us. What about gender identity? Do you have conversations with people that see differently on the gender identity issue than you do? Like, like oh boy, these are uncomfortable conversations. And this is just the sampling. And today, I'm going to touch a few of these that I feel God wanted me to talk about for a moment and then at the end, I'm going to give you some things and some steps how I think we should enter into these conversations that are uncomfortable. But I don't think the churches today are speaking to this. I don't think we're diving into the scriptures and say, what do the scriptures really say about some of these conversations? I want to be really clear that there is someone in my family or a close friend that hits each one of those points I talk about today. That's what makes it so hard. We don't want to have these uncomfortable conversations. But I think we have to today. So, so buckle, buckle up. You ready? I, I'm not. I'm not. I'd like to sing another song, really, actually. But I want to do my best in the short time that we have to give you uh, the level best of, of just a, a, a snapshot of what the scriptures say about these things so that we can go, the world is telling us to talk this way, but the scriptures are saying for us to talk this way. And we get in the middle here, and what we do, you know what we do? We get on the lukewarm fence. Well, I can see this, and but I can also see this, and but I love this person. They act this way, but I know God says to do this, so you know what? I'm just not going to say a lot about that. Instead of taking a stance because God says, I'd prefer you to be hot or cold because when you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. We've got to fall to one side or the other today. On all of these conversations, and I challenge you to go home 
And I'll give you some scriptures. Write these scriptures down on the topics we talk about. And go start reading for yourself because, church, we have to become uh, biblically accurate on these issues we're talking about because the world needs us as spokespeople, not just to sit here and go, it's not my conversation to have. Because you're just saying, what you're saying is it's uncomfortable and I don't want to do that. So the first thing I want to talk about today is abortion. It's abortion. Uh, uh, Christians, we have to stand on the right to life. We have to. Why? Because look what the scripture says in Exodus 20, 13. You shall not murder. Period. That's it. You shall not murder. And we go so far as to say, but I don't think... That, that until the baby is born, that it's actually a life. I will tell you what, I've got a grandbaby that's growing inside that woman right there, and it's a heartbeat. That, that baby is already God's. It's already alive. It is living, renting space inside. Do you know this? That baby physically is adhered to that woman, not a part of that woman. That baby is not her body because after the baby is born, what comes out? The placenta, which was giving it nutrients that was adhered to the uterine wall that says, I'm no longer needing to rent space in your body as God knit me. And so all all of it is discharged. They say, my body, my choice. I say, it's not your body. It's God's body that's adhered to this woman to give you life by miracle. Thou shalt not murder, period. Why do we have to go anymore? Psalmist writes this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He created. He's the author of life. It's uncomfortable to talk about. Some of y'all are like, yeah, you know, but I see. What about incest? What about rape? What about, ah. And I've hinted on that. And I've talked a little about, about that this month, right? Like God, God, Romans 8, 28, turns glory to all things to those who love him. Uh, we are parents of ad- adopted children. God did not make mistakes with my two adopted children. He didn't. He knew what would happen. He knew how it would plan out. And he said, I'm going to knit that person anyway. What happens is we claim ownership. They're our children. I get a choice. They're not our children. Tony and Lizzie and Lance, they're not our children. They're his children. And God has given us the blessing to parent them by way of biology, foster care, and adoption. Like love, love knows beyond blood, right? Like it's amazing how God knits family together just like he knits humans together in the womb. We've got to be able to understand what does the Bible say? Not what do I think is true? What, do, what have I learned? What is my experience with my family? What is my workplace telling me? What is the culture telling me? What does the scripture say? And I think when we get there, it becomes really clear. Whew. Okay, one's done. Number two, uh, sex. It's our PG-13. I'll keep it that way. Uh, Sex is a gift for marriage with a purpose. It's a gift for marriage with a purpose. It, It actually is to fill the earth. That there's a purpose and a reason for this. Look at you don't have to look at too deep into the Bible. You go Genesis 1:28, right there in the very beginning, and it says, um, "God blessed them and said to them, "Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth, subdue it, populate it, rule over the fish of the sea, and it gives us some instruction after that, right? Like that's the purpose is to create life. Lance and youth, he he has this saying when they all come together and they go to camp or breakaway weekends, he says, don't take life, don't create life, right? That's what he tells them. Look, you get married, Bible says, create life. 
Now look, we, my family, my wife and I, we have battled with infertility. We get it. God blessed us with the bio, biological son, and he also equally blessed us with adopted children. Great life. There's a purpose for it. There's a reason for it. Uh, Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adultery and, and all the sexually immoral. There's a place for it. God designed it for a reason. It's a gift given to married couples. And so that leads us into the next topic I want to talk about is marriage. Why are we confused about marriage in our culture today? Why? I don't understand it. The Bible is so clear. It's been so clear forever. Generations of generations, thousands of years, we haven't struggled with this. Well, Sodom and Gomorrah maybe, right? But it's between a man and a woman. Marriage in our Christian culture, based on the truth of the Scripture, is between a man and a woman. 1 Corinthians 7, 2. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Look, our, our bodies, men and women alike, are tempted. We're tempted. Why? Because the intimate connection of marriage feels amazing. God says, I'm going to put man and woman together and I'm going to surrender bodies and bring them together. Sexual immorality gets us in this mess we are in. It's Sodom and Gomorrah all over again. It's Satan playing his cards just over. He, he uses the same lures on us individually as families, as, as a culture. This isn't the first time a human race has dealt with, with sexual confusion, identity confusion. He just plays it over, and we bite the hook every single time. And you know what Christians are doing? We're sitting there going, I don't want to enter that conversation. I don't want to talk about that. Why not? If you aren't going to share the truth, who's going to? And you're going, I don't, I don't want to do that. I've done it before. Look, I'm going to give you some tricks later. Open your heart and mind and say, maybe I will begin having these conversations. Matthew 19, 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, uh, the, the Creator, God, he made them male and female. That's just it. He made them male and female. He didn't say, and other things, and to be determined. He said, I'm going to make a man, I'm going to make a woman. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become what? One flesh. How do you become one flesh? Mm -hmm. Yep, the way to make children. That's God's plan, and it's design, and marriage, and it's beautiful. The world now celebrates divorce more than we celebrate marriage. I, I do weddings sometimes, and I'm like, man, that's a lot of money for that wedding only to end in divorce. Like divorce parties and celebrations. It should be detrimental. Like the Bible even gives us reasons for divorce. And we're just quick. We just dispose it like I do my 55-inch TV when it starts getting stuff on the screen. It's going to get enough. We don't fix that anymore. We have to change the way we look at things. Marriage is vital to our culture. You want to degrade a culture? Degrade marriage. Because it's the image and the parallel of Christ, the groom, and the local church, the bride. He's coming for us. You know what? Satan's coming for your marriage, too, in a different way. And you know how he does it? Sexual immorality, and unmet expectations, inability and unwillingness to have uncomfortable conversations. People will come and sit and receive counsel for Stacy and I with pastoral counseling, and they'll talk about their marriage. And I'm like, have you all talked to each other about this yet? And they're like, no, this is the first time we needed someone. I'm like, what? Like, you haven't talked about this yet? Like, they don't, he doesn't know this, and she doesn't know. Like, what? Oh, I know how she's going to react, or I know how he's going to react. You're not willing to have an uncomfortable conversation. So this hurt me. I don't like it when you say that. Like, like, I, I, like I get it. I get it. 
it's time we grow up and, and we have these real conversations about things that matter. And we have them about marriage and we have about intimacy and we have them about people because it matters. Gender. Gender. Oh, man. You ever watch like Ben Shapiro or somebody like this just go off on these college students about gender? I'm like, dude, got it nailed down. You know, I'm like, golly, I wish I could do that. He shuts them down every time with the truth of the gospel. Why? Because he's willing to have uncomfortable conversation. He's willing to say, God, I'll be a spokesperson for you. I'll stand up and I'll say the truth. I, I will combat these things. Genders, too. It's male and female. Let's go back. Uh, we read Genesis 1.28. I want to go back to Genesis 1.27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. What? Male and female, he created them. There's only two. There's only two. And I don't think in this environment, in this culture, I need to convince you of that. I think you're aware of that. While our world is going cuckoo, right, about this, I think we get it. The problem is you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to be able to stand up for Christ and be able to say, I disagree. I disagree with that. How about, how about LGBTQ? And then they, they, they ran out of space and they just put a plus. right? Like, and, and everything else we can think of that's crazy. That goes against what the scriptures are saying. Like for the last two decades, tw over 20 years, Pew Research Center has been gathering data. And they reported this. One of the most enduring ethical issues facing Christian traditions, the church today, is sexual diversity. When God says there's only two, A or B, one or two, male or female, any or outie, right? Like, I mean, come on. It's like, it, this, there's, no, there's no diversity. It's, it's there. Some of y'all just got that, right? Took you a minute? I had to go fast because, I, you know, there are some younger ones in the room. For many Christians, one of the most frequently asked questions on the topic in the Pew Research is this. What does the Bible say about attraction to someone of the same sex? That's what we want to know as Christians. That's when we would go onto the research and we'd ask, like, okay, I don't know what I think. What does the Bible say about someone who's attracted to the same sex, homosexuality? What, what does the Bible say about that? I won't make it real easy. One word, sin. Sin. Period. That's what the Bible says it is. But hold on before you gasp for air, right? Like, like here's the reality. So is lying. And you all do that. You all do that. Half of you are going to do it on the way to lunch. Because your husband's going to say, where do you want to go to lunch? And she's like, I don't care. Wherever you want to go. Okay, cool. Let's go to Ruby's, Rudy's Barbecue. I don't want to go there. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me where you want to go in the first place? Right, we just, that's the sin too. If you have something to say, say that, right? There's so many things. Some of y'all, I've seen you, I've seen you, I've seen you walk in, you took out your pocket, a little refuge church pen. Said refuge church pen. You're a thief. You're a thief from the church, from God's kingdom. You're a thief. Uh, by the way, I want you to have those pens. And I want, I want those all over the place. If it's got a refuge, refuge counseling, refuge church, soon refuge coffee logo, I want it everywhere. By the way, those stickers over there for the cars, they're free because they don't last very long. Grab a handful, right? Scratch them off. I have to order new ones. They wrinkle up after about 14 car washes. That's okay. Uh, they're free. So take them. Like, like, I want that. Like, you're like, I can't take anything anymore. I'm trying to say the point is, look, we've got to get past this thing where we quantify sin because we want it to be not sin. Because I love somebody that's gay. I, I do too. Love them. I love them. I love gay people so much that I will say, come and have a conversation and sit with me while I disagree of that choice. Some people will say, but I was born gay. I was born LGBTQ+. I was born that way. And I would say, you might be. You might have been. Some of y'all are like, what are you talking about? Yeah, they might have been born that way because Bible says that sin goes from forefathers to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation. Hear me. But that's why you must be what? Born again. 
Because you may have been born into that sin, but God wants to remove it from you so that you don't have to live that way. I was born selfish. It's a sin. I was born selfish. I don't battle same-sex attraction. But boy, I battle getting what Steve wants, right? None of y'all have any problem with your pastor saying, man, that dude's a little selfish, you know, he'll like do what he wants to do. But boy, if I had a same-sex attraction, I gotta find another church. And I agree with that. And and I would, I would, I, I vehemently disagree with some pieces, but I want you to see that's because our culture has said that, not because God has said that. Like we, like we've got to stand. On, on, the, on the rock of Christ and say, I love you so much that I can disagree with you. Leviticus 18.22 says, Do not practice homosexuality. It's pretty clear. Having, and, and, and if it's not, it goes on by saying, Having sex with another man as a woman, it is a detestable sin. Right? Like, like I love how the Bible works, right? Like, you would think it, you could just say, Do not practice homosexuality, period, and be like, Okay, cool, got it, right? But we as humans go, well, wait a minute. Uh, like, is this, like what, is, what do you mean? Can you say a little further? Like, can we talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, having sex with another man is a woman. Okay, that, that, that's pretty clear. And, and then it says, but, but, but there's love. Love covers a multitude of sin. Yeah, so let's just empty the jail then. We wouldn't do that. Because there's consequences for our sin. If you're looking for a scripture saying homosexuality is a sin, this is a good one. It's a good one. Lying. It's a sin as we talked about, but there's different consequences for our sins, are there not? Romans 1.27. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, they burn lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty that they deserved. Look, I did not write this. Just reading it to you. I want you to go read it too. And I want, I want to be real clear, because this is just a hard one for a lot of people. It's really hard. I, 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 want, you to be, I want you to see, look, LGBTQ people, anybody that's not like us, you're welcome in this place. Just like those whose marriages are broken, you're welcome. Just like those who are cohabitating out of marriage, you're welcome here. Uh, Just like those of you that are having marriage struggles and maybe facing separation, maybe divorce, you're welcome here. But don't expect for us to celebrate what the Bible calls sin. And we're going to preach the truth and we're going to talk about the truth even when it's uncomfortable because we have to have these uncomfortable conversations so that we can understand what is true and what is right. There's no room for sin in heaven. There's no room for sin in the presence of God. There's there's just not. But look, we all have this sin problem. We all need this reconciler. We all need this way to get made righteous and made white as snow. Therefore, the heart repents. That's where we all get tripped up. Repentance. You know why? Because repentance is getting real with yourself and saying, I am sinning in this area. I'm, I'm sinning. I'm, mi- I'm missing the mark. The problem is the unrepentant or the unwilling person. That's where we, that's where we get stuck. Some of us just are real comfortable with the sin and we try to masquerade and we try to make the scriptures cover our sin. The scripture will never cover sin. Only Jesus Christ, his blood through repentance can cover our sin. Some some people Embrace homosexuality, transgenderism, alternative lifestyles. They embrace that. Well, some people find their identity in Christ. 
But the Bible says you can't do both. Like you can't identify as a homosexual and also identify as a Christ follower. Some of your minds are blowing right now. I can see it. But you also can't identify as a thief and be a follower of Christ. That's easy to accept. And, and, and so what happens is we have to find this atonement, this reconciliation, this, this, this baseline to where we can drop all of these sins that are holding us back. And we know that to be Jesus Christ. Acceptance, belief, and confection, uh, confession in the Lord our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to sum it all up for you this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. It says, or, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Look, I'm a sinner, y'all. I'm a sinner. And as I stand, I cannot enter the kingdom of God. A pastor doesn't save me. Like being righteous doesn't save me. Being repentant and reconciled by Christ and His atonement saves me. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves who are, the, uh, who are greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you, hear this word, were. That's what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Unrepentant sin disqualifies you from heaven. That's heavy. I know it's heavy. But we have to be able to see what sin is. And if you don't know the scriptures and you're not willing to open your heart and mind to have these uncomfortable conversations, you'll continue to be confused. But, but what do we do? What do we do? I'm stuck with you. I'm like, Lord, but what do we do? I get it. These aren't new to me. I, they were at some point, and I need to tell you that my mind has changed over the decades as I've dealt with these issues personally in my life with my family and my friends, and it's been hard, and honestly, I've lost some friends. So what do we do? Number one, you listen. You listen. Two ears, one mouth. Use them in that proportion, and you'll do right. When having uncomfortable conversations, listening is so hard. It's so hard. Like, I don't want to do it. If you could master just one skill today, I would ask you to master the skill of listening. I promise you, people will pay attention when you close this trap and you start listening. Just start just start listening. Proverbs tells us this, the book of wisdom. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Yelling through a bullhorn about Jesus Christ by the NRG will probably not be very effective. Come on. I walk right by it, dude. I'm like, I'm a pastor, and you're driving me crazy right now. It doesn't work. Yell at people and cram it down their throats, right? It's listening, listening to them. So here are some tools I want to tell you. Um, one, stop interrupting. Like, will you just stop interrupting? Man, I'm like the chief interrupter. I do, I do it the best. Like, I, I think God gave me that gift of interrupting. You want to learn that? I, I, I can teach class on interrupting. Just ask Stacy. She'd be exhibit A, right? I get it. I have to constantly tell myself, listen, listen to them. And then what happens is they start saying crazy things. Like, they're like, not you, because you're not crazy. But other people, they start saying crazy things, and you're like, i got to stop this madness. Like, you got to hear the truth. But God says, no, listen. L look at how many times he goes and he sits with people that he already knows. But he listens to them. And I want to give you a tool to do that, is you need to take a leap. If you've been with us for a while, you know this. you got to take, take a leap. you got to listen. you got to empathize. you got to ask questions. And you got to paraphrase. Tony, will, or whoever said, will you just leave that? There you go. Will you just leave that up for a minute? 
Like, like you got to leave. you got to listen. Like, just stop talking and listen to people. And if you would do that, even with your children. Look, this works anywhere. Your coworkers, your, your spouse, your kids, those who disagree with you on these sensitive topics, right? You just listen. Go ahead and listen. And then if you'd have empathy, like after somebody tells you that, that whatever it was that you disagree with, you just go and you look at them and you can say something like, that must be really hard. I can understand why you feel ostracized that way. I can understand why you feel hurt. Like, if you listen to somebody talk and say, I, I can understand how you got to that conclusion. They're going to be like, what? Well, yeah, I can understand you. I do it with my kids and fail sometimes. Tony comes up and he's freaking out and all that kind of stuff. And I want to go, just stop, 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 stop. Come on, parents, right? Let me tell you what you need to do. And what does Tony say? I just want you to hear me, Dad. And then when he says what he has to say, and I go, I can see how that could be hard for you. Empathize. And then ask some questions. What else, what else would you feel? Or when I respond to you this way and I shut you down, how does that make you feel? Come on, guys. We've got to have conversations about feeling. How does it make you feel when that happens? And you ask some questions. Well, you said that, you said that this happened. Can you tell me a little more about that part? Because I don't know if I understood you correctly, and I want to understand you. Ask those questions. And then at the end, you just paraphrase it. So if I understand you right, what you're saying is you get upset when I come at you this way without giving you whatever it is. You just summarize the whole thing. You don't have to, you don't have to be right. The, the goal is to be able to build a relationship by listening to the person so they'll be in your presence so Jesus Christ has opportunity to show off through you and they'll pay attention to you and then listen, he can change them because you can't. You don't have the ability to change somebody's perspective. He does though. So we've got to listen. Number two, you've got to extend grace. Grace. You've got to extend grace. Grace, the unmerited favor of grace. Think about how many times God has given you grace. Like how many times has he blessed you with grace when you don't deserve it? By, by way of Jesus Christ, those sins that you carry, he forgives you. He doesn't go like, you know what, Steve, I'm going to let you hold on to that one for a little bit. You haven't quite learned your lesson. He's like, you're forgiven. Father, forgive me for, for this. And I, you're forgiven. Like, I'll take that too. Go ahead and put it on here. All these sensitive things, go ahead and put on here. But first, we've got to be able to identify them as sin, and that's where we get stuck. But we have to listen to the scriptures. You deserve the penalty of sin. I deserve the penalty of sin. Yet by His grace, I am saved. Hallelujah. Amen. By His grace. But for some reason, we are super good at receiving His grace, but awful at extending it to somebody else that doesn't agree with us. The issue is that our culture today celebrates the sin. We celebrate. We celebrate the sin. We have gay pride parades in the middle of downtown, and, and, and it celebrates... And, and I know Christians that will go celebrate with them. Like, what's going on here? It's, that's not what the Scriptures say. We can love them. We can participate in conversations with them. Like, come on, let's do it. The same with other sinners. Like, you have to be careful or, or, or lest you be tempted, the Bible says. And so what happens is the world celebrates sin. What we do is we create hatred. Do you see hatred today? I, I hate you. Look, I'm, I'm called homophobic, transphobic, whatever, whatever you want to put on there, because I disagree with this person. I'm not, look, transphobic. I, I'm not afraid of transgender people. I love them. I just disagree with it. Because the Bible tells me so. And what happens is we're labeled, aren't we? If you don't agree with it, you're phobic. You're, you're afraid of it. No, I'm not afraid of it at all. I'm not afraid of any of this. 
I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of any of it. I'll have a conversation about all of it and any of it. We can go back to the gospel and the truth. Where we get in a problem is people who vastly see different than us, but they have to have a relationship first by way of listening and grace. I love you. I love it when atheists come in the church. Come on. Like, come on and sit here. And it's going to take time, and you can transform. I've seen it. It's amazing. Let, let's have that conversation. Grace, 1 Peter 1.15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in what? All you do. That's the New International Version. And, and I like it, and it's cool, but it's not as specific as the good old King James. Come on. Anybody, y'all have trouble reading the King James? Thou shalt and all this kind of stuff? Well, here, this one. I get tongue-tied every time. But as he which hath called you is holy, right, so be ye holy in what? All matters of conversations. Is Christ coming out of you as you listen and give grace by your speech? I love you. You're welcome here. Come, you come in my home. Let's be a, let's be a part. Let, let's, let's do this. I, I, I remember, this isn't in my notes. I want to give this to you before I give you number three and we wrap up. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine in the, in the Coast Guard, and this is before we retired. And He's a three-star admiral, pretty high senior overseas half the planet and um, and and he had a, a person who worked for him and the the don't ask don't tell was repealed and so you could be married in, in the military now the same sex and he was invited to her wedding and he was he was stuck in this area stuck in this place like what what do, what do I do do I go do I not go and some of you are like rolling the tape in your mind would you go would you not go and somebody came to him, and he's a believer, and somebody came to him and said, he said, Admiral, if, if you don't go to that wedding, you'll never have an opportunity to continue the conversation. It's the biggest, most special day of their life. And you're going to end the conversation right there by not showing up. And it totally changed my perspective. And then I started looking at it from a pastor's, pastor's perspective. And if you ever see me at a wedding and two gay people are getting married, I want you to know that I love them, but I disagree with them. But I draw the line with officiating their wedding. You see that? See how that works? Like, I, you're a sinner. And some of you have officiated your weddings. And if I said, I'm not going to officiate or come to your wedding because you're a sinner, nobody would come. Like, this is how important this is. Love people. Give them grace. Don't accept the sin, and always be willing to teach and draw them out of it. Number three, this is so important, love always. Does your language usher grace? Uh, and what you say and how you say it, it matters. Like love is super important. Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up the one in need and bringing grace to those who listen. Grace for those who are listening to you. And so we, as we close, I have this important question for you. Is it more important for you to be right or to win people to the gospel? If I'm honest, there's sometimes I just want to be right. And I catch myself in those moments and go, shame on you, Steve. I don't need to be right. I just need to point them to Jesus Christ through a relationship of listening and grace and love that will radically allow God to change me and the person I disagree with as we do life together. Respecting and understanding the boundaries that He's given us and obeying Him and where He leads, we follow. And I'm telling you, beautiful things start to happen. Living a life 
that reflects Jesus Christ. It's a marathon, y'all. It's not a sprint. Some of y'all are running sprints. You're in and out. You're winded. And you're like, man, you take a break. You need to come back. Because some of you are sitting in a place of guilt and shame and anger. And these are uncomfortable conversations. And even today, you're wrestling through this. And so I want you to, I want to be clear. Wherever you are on the things we talked about today and even other sinful issues that we didn't even discuss you're welcome here you're welcome here you're welcome to be in my presence you're welcome to have relationship with me but I will always go to the gospel as my basis of truth and understanding and my mind hear this it can change because God is always working and teaching and discipling me. I love you too much to allow you to live against the truth of the gospel without some sort of knowledge. And I, I hope today that we just entered into a baseline of knowledge because we could talk about these things for hours. Look, I am here to minister to you. If these hurt today, if there's something that's like, man, that, that mm, I'm not there yet, let's have a conversation. Let's schedule an appointment and get together. I'd love to converse with you on this and practice listening, practice showing grace, and practice loving you because I always need to get better. Will you choose to love them in these uncomfortable conversations? It's not your job to change people not your job. Moms and dads, you can't change your children. You sure can't change your spouse. You're not going to change your parents. You're not going to change your co-workers, your neighbors, but the barking dog, you can't change them. Only God can. And so let's have conversations today and in the coming days that will invite people into a comfortable, warm place where you can love them, listen to them, show them grace. Let's pray. God, today, I love that you are in this place. God, I ask that anything I said that, that is not aligned with your scriptures, your word, your truth, I, I ask today that it fall on deaf ears, that when people walk out of here, it's just erased from memory. I'm human just like they are. But God, anything I said that's from you, even when it's uncomfortable and cuts against the grain and is hard to hear, I ask that it take deep root in the soul, in the heart and the mind of people. And that we're able to have uncomfortable conversations that aren't violent or angry, but yet that are covered with love, by way of listening, by way of grace, rich and deep conversations and Bible study and life transformation, God. Because here's what I know, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But when we repent, when we see the blood of Christ that can wash over us, Lord, we can be made right by way of the Holy Spirit and the behavior and actions of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, change us from within. In Jesus' name.